For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. And it's actually Peter. It's not the, that's not the clone Peter like we talked about last time. We're, wait, this wait, is, this wait, is real what's this, what's, what's this clone Peter thing you're talking about? Oh, oh okay. All right. Well, I, I thought my mic was turned off. Okay. Uh, hey, Pete. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to great to have you here. There's no way we recorded an episode without you. Not at all. Not at all. Well, I mean, as long as that's the case, I guess everything's okay. So. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so the uh, the Stanley Cup finals are over. I'm sorry, the Stanley Cup final, JJ, because... Uh, final, final. He, 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 he likes to make a big deal out of me adding the S to uh, to final. But, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's like Band-Aids. <laughs> yeah. Band-Aids is a brand... It's adhesive bandage. And Let's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so the final is over and the Washington Capitals have emerged victorious, uh, vanquishing the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, four games to one. So after the last episode, it was, um, it was already, already looking like it was, it was going to be a, uh, a foregone conclusion. Um, but it, it, it did, you know, it did happen. Uh, I wouldn't have, you know, like I said last time, I wouldn't have been too surprised to see Vegas win uh, game five and force a game six in Washington. Um, but yeah, so it was uh, it, it was definitely a, an interesting game. It was a fun game. There's lots of back and forth. There was a lot of controversy. Uh, there was a, a goaltender interference call. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't an interference call. Uh, it was challenged for goaltender interference. Um, and it uh, basically... Uh, the, the puck was allowed in with David Perron having preceded into the net um, because of being tied up with a defender in front. And I, I do think that if you rewind the tape a little bit more, you, you see Perron take the defender and throw him to the ice, which should have been a penalty already. But it doesn't matter because Washington was able to come back and tie the game and then win it on a somewhat fluky goal. Uh Mark Andre Fleury made the initial save, and he didn't realize or could not get to the puck that was sitting a couple inches behind him. And Lars Eller swooped in and threw it into the empty net, and that was that was the ball game. Um, also, one one last fun thing that I thought was was uh, potentially potentially could have been uh, like kind of like historic moment was. Nicholas Backstrom missing the empty net. I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Vegas <laughs> is going to come back and score here, and that's all we're ever. That's all he's yeah. going to be known for for the rest of his career." So, um, luckily, that didn't happen. Um, and uh, yeah, so Washington is victorious. Ovechkin is your con Smythe. Uh, so, Jay, what did you think about this last game? I I thought it was the exact type of cup clinching game that you want. It's the the first period is all quiet here, nothing to see. Second period is like, oh my goodness, this is a cup final game. And then third period is uh, like like a cornered honey badger, just like 
just oh, there's so much action. Oh, what does it want? What do we need? What do we need to give it? It's it's got our it's got our firstborn, our firstborn under being held hostage. How do we? It was just like a Hall of Fame classic third period for for a cup clinching game. And I like how you mentioned that uh, that game winning goal there, Pete. Because gosh, where have I? seen that type of goal scored before <laughs> gosh it's almost like it's the 10th anniversary of a goal like that being scored that's that's weird uh of course i'm referring to the he poops he scores goal that uh yeah that was uh, able to be scored for the red yeah. wings in game the, six the, 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 the butt goal yep yep the 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 butt winner that's it's it's everything we wanted and more out of a of a cup clinching goal and you know, I, I was I was trying to think, Pete. Um, throughout this game, I was looking for what the Con Smythe play is. Right? There's always the Con Smythe play. Zetterberg made it when he tied up Crosby's stick in that in that game six, and it was like obviously, like if Zetterberg didn't do that, I mean, that's that's like Crosby could have whispered at the puck and it would have gone in. But <laughs> yeah. where, where he, uh, but he was tied up by uh, by Zetterberg, and that was like, ooh, that's the Con Smythe play. And I don't know, I. I don't know if there was one demonstrable moment in or, or one super defined moment in, in game five that spoke to me as that. I I honestly thought Holtby was going to get it because of his save from from game two, because that save was just like up and down the street. Like, are you I mean, I, it's kind of funny because that type of save has happened a lot now granted that doesn't mean it's still it's an easy play to make I think just the volume of that type of save being the goalies have somehow figured out how to tap into the you know the power cosmic to be able to lunge back with the stick and have it be exactly where the shot's going to be to block it to make it even more unbelievable but um yeah I, I I like I like Ovi winning it I mean it was really cool that he was able to score in the game too. Just think of all the, think of all the checklist moments that this game was for Ovechkin, right? It's like, Hey, you've made it this far. Okay. Yep. Uh, you're winning. Okay, great. You score a goal <laughs> to, to continue to be ahead. Oh, perfect. And now you're lifting the thing you wanted your entire career over your head. It was really great because he pretty much like notched everything else off the list. Right. I mean, he's got like a billion art Rosses, a billion rocket yeah. guards. It's no. either it's either thirteen or fourteen individual trophies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bonkers, and so it's it's kind of funny to see how sometimes players throughout their careers, because like Chelios kind of did it like a little reverse, where it's like he kind of he won like a cup his first year, and then he didn't he didn't win again until ninety eight with the or no in, in two thousand two he didn't win again until two thousand two. So it's like he does all this defensive stuff and. Um, and he gets all, you know, he gets like an orus and whatnot. And, and then finally just rounds it out with, with all the other awards, but it is kind of neat, you know, for Ovechkin to kind of maybe have the natural progression where it's like, okay, we'll let you win a couple of master tins, a couple of art Rosses, a couple of rock of shards. And then, Oh yeah, now it's time to put the cherry on top yeah. with, with the cup. Well, yeah. Cause I, I, um, I wrote an article yesterday uh, on winging in Motown about, uh, it's it's titled "Why the Caps Winning Felt So Good," uh, because I mean it, it was interesting because this was one of the few Cup Finals that I remember where if you look on like hockey Twitter, there's not a lot of vitriol for either team. You know, there's not like 
if it's like Chicago, it's like obviously you got the the people that just love Chicago and you got the people that absolutely hate Chicago. You know, there wasn't really that much venom directed towards either team. So it, it was definitely an interesting final for that reason. But for me, I mean, this is this is the happiest I've been watching the you know the the end of the game this ceremony the cup you know procession and all that stuff uh you know definitely the happiest i've been when it's not a team i was rooting for uh you know you know obviously the red wings and um you know the red wings and then you know growing up it was the islanders but i mean i was like four for their their fourth one yeah Uh, but that's how they got you pete that's they they started you young they made sure that you knew the glory that awaited you the rest of your lives. Remember at that time, all you knew was winning Islander teams and that's, and that's all you would ever know. (laughs) At the tender age of four, I was like, man, how, how many are they going to win in my lifetime? This is incredible. (laughs) Um, For for every year Peter is on this earth, the Islander shall win a cup. So (laughs) say the hockey gods. And so, yeah, so I thought it was really cool because uh, I mean, it's hard watching watching the the joy and just the pure sheer enthusiasm of Ovechkin is is hard to top and then at the end you know when he gave it to Backstrom but then he held on to it and they kind of held it together you know because the two of them uh you know I mean obviously Ovechkin you know came in a couple years before Backstrom but I mean the two of them have just been through so much together and you know, kind of been linked together as, you know, these these players who are great in the regular season, but they can't get it done in the playoffs, even though sometimes the, the statistics don't bear that out. Um, you know, it's kind of this narrative that was built up. But, you know, just to see just to see them win, uh, to see Barry Trotz win, who, again, had that that label uh, because of, you know, his teams in Nashville, you know, they always made the playoffs, but they couldn't get out of the first round or the second round. And um you know, last year with Washington, when they, they lost to Pittsburgh in the second round with probably, you know, what seemed to be their most winnable matchup. Uh, you know, so it was great to see him win. Great to see Backstrom and Ovechkin. Um, you know, there, there are so many great stories on that team. And I mean, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been upset if Vegas won um, other than I just really did want Ovechkin to win. Uh, so I, I was really happy to see that. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, the final definitely had some, you know, the final, especially the last game definitely had some, some really entertaining hockey, you know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of great saves um, and, you know, great offensive plays and defensive plays, um, you know, it pretty much had everything you, you would want in a series. So I think that was a really, a really fun way to end the season. Like I can't remember having the NHL season end and kind of being in this good of a mood. <laughs> Have you like, at least in a long time? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So Obviously, like you said, like the Wings winning, that's, yeah, that's when you're most happy. I will confess that when the Hawks won their first one after their drought, I, I was happy that because I am, I am technically a Chicago native. Like that was, that was kind of cool. And if I'm looking at it from my perspective, you know, as a Chicago fan, like in my lifetime, both baseball teams, the hockey team, and the basketball team have won multiple championships. And then on the on the on the converse, all the like all the cities that I'm in in my lifetime have won championships. That's what I'm getting at. So I am the reason <laughs> I am the reason that these things are happening. But you know, I, I thought that first win for the Hawks was was funny, albeit as I described in my in our previous episode, it was uh hilariously uh not the norm. Uh it was it was a goal call that will forever not happen and it's yeah. just, it was just the, that's the way it was going to be. But 
Uh, yeah, I, I have to say, like, you know, okay, so for as much of a, uh, you know, we're talking about teams that I have been, per, like, been told that I shouldn't like or told that I shouldn't have a say against because we are in that same conference now. Like, we, like, if we're going to be contending and if we're, and if we try to be contending soon, we have to go through the Capitals or we have to potentially go through the Capitals. So it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be as big a fan of this, but yeah, there was this type of elation where after having my love, the Jets get eliminated, it was like I was free to actually love something else now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the OV winning be, suddenly became the priority. And that was, and that was, I'm really glad that was the result. I, his, again, I'm trying to remember the last genuine, I don't know. I'm not saying all the other guys are genuine, but just, I guess there's a way you, you profess it. There's a way you wear it on your face. And I think Ovechkin to date, probably since, gosh, I, I will be selfish, probably since Zetterberg lifting the cup, like just like the the relief, the release, the the tension that's no longer there. You're now raising this thing like, they sh- like right as the clock expired, they cut to the bench and it's just Ovechkin falling over it. There's a nice thing where he does this. He's hopping over the bench and he's just screaming, oh, my God. And oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the most genuine thing you could possibly. Yeah. See. Like that was that was such a cool moment. And I and I made sure to try and download it from from the Internet because that's a that is a bottled up iconic moment for him because. There's nothing else you can say, and and I'm look f- looking forward to a re-edit of the uh, of that uh, NHL commercial where they do where it's the no words, where it's all the guys they're struggling to say anything, and that commercial makes me cry every time. So does Cup yeah. Raise, the one where they stitch all the pictures together to make it look like everybody's raising the cup at the same time. Yeah. Um. So that that'll be a perfect addition to um to to get uh, Ovi into that one because that's that's perfect. And then you know I think that Oshi interview. That was that that was that took me by surprise because I had no idea about his dad and yeah um, and so when he says that you know like hey he's got Alzheimer's but you, you bet your ass he's gonna wear he's gonna remember this I was like oh <laughs> my goodness yeah. yes yes more of that so you're right it, this was the most enjoyable celebration cup racing that I've seen I mean you know, you still had to have Batman walk out and you still had to hear him talk first, which is like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's get this over with, please. And, he, you know, he's like shaking like a Muppet, right? And just like, <laughs> congratulations, first of all, to the Vegas Golden Knights. What a phenomenal season. You've done well. <laughs> it's all these platitudes that you're like, just, just for once, I would, I, I, I would love for the cup to be just brought out by the keepers and no speech whatsoever. Like it'd be really cool. Heck it'd be really nice if there was like this almost WWF introduction of the cup where they're like, where is it? Where is it? Then all of a sudden like the lights go dark and the spotlight shows down at the end of the other rink where like the Zamboni comes out and the cups just right there and it's already shining. There's like a bunch of fog around it. And all of a sudden the, the, the PA speaker goes like Alexander Ovechkin, go get the Stanley cup. And then, you know, face melting guitar solos happen so he has to he's the entire team skates towards it and he lifts it up and then they do the the lapper on the ice so that that's that's what i want i know i understand that there are obvious traditions to <laughs> to maintain but um yeah any anything to not hear batman immediately like that's always like the weird 
caveat to like I would I really would love to be able to be alive for the day when there's a cup presentation where I'm enjoying every single succeeding part of it, not just like, okay, I can enjoy this part, but I, I, I literally cannot enjoy this next part. And it's going to, it's going to take me a sec to get back to the energy I just had because now I have to be angry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, this year, this year, more than, more than any year in the past, I, I pretty much watched the whole thing. You know, most of the time it's like once, once I know who won the con Smythe, it's like, okay, whatever. I don't really care that much, but you know, watching, watching Ovechkin and Backstrom and uh, Holtby and then, and, you know, and then at the end, you know, giving it to Barry Trotz and just, uh, you know, I mean, you had said before with the con Smythe, I mean, if it, it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm very happy that Ovechkin got it um, just because of the crap that he's put up with his whole career, you know, so to see him win it, uh, is phenomenal. Um, but honestly, I mean, Kuznetsov, I think probably deserved it more. Uh, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to go by the letter of, you know, the way it's supposed to work, but at the same time, I mean, you know, this is the same way, you know, this happens pretty often. Um, I mean, Sidney Crosby won the con Smythe, you know, two years when, the first year Malkin deserved it. And the second year Kessel deserved it. Um, yeah. And again, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Crosby is an amazing player and he's an integral part of that team. Um, you know, but you know, each year, I think the alternative person that I mentioned, I think had a better case for it. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be complaining about that. I think seeing Ovechkin get it was, was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, I, I think it was a really fun way to end the season. And, um, I will say that if, if next year's playoffs are as, as good as this year's playoffs, and I think I think that could be, you know, really fun. Yeah, yeah, I I really yeah him him getting the con Smythe yeah it had a it has a more of it had almost like an on the nose storybook aspect to it. It's like of course he gets the con Smythe too. But you're right. I think I think Kuzi was again. You don't you don't get to where you are without his contributions and stuff and. Yeah. And I think the the bird swoop to to go get the consmite would have been the ultimately <laughs> hilarious thing that oh, could have happened. Amazing. So it's uh, like, hey, Kuznetsov, come get the consmite, and then he just like he wafts his way, and then just like a nice cut yeah. to the stands where people are doing it, and then maybe if you felt like it, cut intersplice some footage from the end of Angels in the Outfield with Joseph Gordon Levitt <laughs> stepping out of the dugout to do the hand wave, and everyone else starts doing it. So, or it could be, um, it could be like like a clip from Planet Earth two. With like oh. David, David Attenborough. <laughs> Watch as the majestic bird goes after its kill. Yeah. <laughs> it's in like super slow motion. Amazingly, he's able to blend in the background, even though he's wearing all red. <laughs> now he swoops in. Caw, caw. <laughs> but um, yeah. So so yeah, that was um, that was a lot of fun. So um, it's a uh, it's another season wrapped up, uh, but. The uh, you know I mean we we have more of this episode and the the uh, the plan is that the for sure podcast is going to continue uh, throughout the off season maybe not every two weeks although although I think the plan is to keep it every two weeks um, yeah we got to see how Pete's hips doing 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, (laughs) there is a possibility we might take a little bit of a break, um, but we don't want to take too long of a break because, you know, I mean, obviously this is a little bit of, you know, it's work on our end, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I know it's something that we both really like to do and we'd like to keep, you know, I think there's enough, there's enough to keep us busy with free agency and the draft and, you know, all that stuff to, you know, to, to be able to keep going with it. Um, All right. So, like I said, we still got a little more from you, but before we get to that, um, we're going to jump to our interview, which is with Nick Mercadante. We already recorded it, so again, we can say that it was a it was a fantastic interview. Um, it's a really good one. Yeah, you know, there was the uh, other times where we didn't record our interviews and we said that they were terrible, but now we get to say that because <laughs> it's recorded, we say that they were great. <laughs> but yeah, so so um, it, it was really fun, and I think you're going to really like it. Uh, lots of good stuff in here. We talked about goalies. We talked a little bit about the Rangers at the end. We talked a little bit about the the goaltending situation for the for the Red Wings uh and you know, like I said there's lots of good stuff in here so um, don't ruin it T- just tell them to listen okay <laughs> listen okay our guest today is Nick Mercadante because I always forget to do this I'm going to do it right away on Twitter you can find him at N-M-E-R-C-A-D. We'll hopefully remember to say that at the end. Uh, lots of awesome stuff on Twitter. Um, if you're interested in goalies, if you're interested in the Rangers, if you're interested in um, you know, analysis about the league in general, a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, Nick has a lot of great stuff to talk about on his, on his Twitter feed. So definitely watch him. Uh, you know, definitely go give him a follow after you listen to him talk. So what's going on, Nick? How are you doing today? Thank you for the... Uh... The nice little intro. I think you're. I, most people are going to go to my Twitter and they're going to see like food and baby stuff, and uh, and and <laughs> in whatever television show I'm watching, and then maybe yeah, some maybe some hockey too. So yeah, uh, no, but thanks for having me on. Well, I, I forgot to I forgot to mention I was I I usually write down a couple things that I want to make sure I mention and uh, I for, I was like oh I, I won't forget to do this in the introduction. Um, if you if you do go to his Twitter bio, you're going to see one of the one of the most iconic Twitter uh, profile pictures in the hockey community, I think, which is uh, Dave Babich uh, with the glorious mustache, the wonderful facial hair, and and, and little tufts of hair sticking out around the collar. Uh, every 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 detail of that photograph is just flawless. I <laughs> I, I really want a, a current player to just emulate that look, and uh, <laughs> and then set up their own photo for you know for their NHL.com player profile. Um, oh yeah, like, like imagine if like like when Brent Burns starts to kind of like getting receding hairline if he switched uh, to that. Oh, uh, it just it's <laughs> it's just it's immaculate. It's perfect, and and the best part about it is that there there's a subsection. Look, I'm thirty. I'm going on thirty seven years old, so I'm an old no. man, right? And but so I remember Dave Babich was actually my favorite player growing up. But there are a lot of people that follow me on Twitter that have no idea who he is or was, never saw him play, don't know anything about him. And so I routinely get either asked, is that you in that photo? And if so, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's either, wow, what's, <laughs> what's going on there? Or they're excited. They're like, that's incredible that you look that way. And then, they're, and then, then the follow-up when I let them know, like, no, it's not me, it's Dave Babbage, is just disappointment or an unfollow. Sometimes they just straight up are like, ah, oh, this is sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I was, uh, was going to stop you there for a second, but I figured I'd let you go because uh, I'm, I'm 38, so. Uh, uh, I, okay. 
Right. Just, just, no, don't worry. I, I don't consider. I don't consider going on thirty-seven old. Um, we're, we're still okay. So still I'm thirty-one. Now. Does that mean this podcast is now officially turned into you guys telling me to get off your lawn? Is, is yep. that what? <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Or well, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll see myself out. Well, no, don't mow your lawn. Mow your neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, that yeah. So again, I know we like the. I am now just making the connection because Pete, I did not know that that was because I think Nick, I was like kind of following you tangentially, but during the course of actually that last rant there, I actually did follow you on Twitter. I did not know that was you because I had seen not you. Well, it's not him. Well, uh, no, I him in that the the guy we're talking to right now Mm. is that account because I you Uh, had you had some really prescient thoughts, uh, like I think a a couple week a couple of weeks ago or maybe even last week. Because I saw something of yours got retweeted, I'm like, that's that that is profound. I will bestow my retweet upon this. And and now that we're talking to you, and I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds an awful lot like the photo that I saw. Oh my god, you guys think it's the same guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I I've you know I've been for the past couple of years now. It's just been this running gag of oh, you can find my work on hockey graphs or blue shirt banter, but I haven't been writing. I've mostly been just appearing on podcasts and on the radio and once in a while on television. So I'm not like this ghost in the machine in the background. And a lot of people will ask me my opinions on Twitter and then somehow it'll make its way into an article or someplace else. And, uh, and people are always like, well, where can I find your stuff? And I'm like, ah, yeah, you might have to go back uh, to 2015 or so. That's really about the last time I did anything relevant. Yeah, it's kind of like a band puts out like one really good album, and yeah. uh, like three years later, they're like, "Hey, you want us on the Tonight Show? Uh, well, you got new stuff. It's yeah, like, yeah we got that song you everybody loved. Yeah, everybody's waiting for my reunion articles where I start uh, I start writing again, and they're like, "Oh my god, he's writing again! Incredible!" <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so so I mean, from what you know, obviously I, I interact with you on Twitter, you know. Well, obviously now a, a lot more frequently, but like, you know, every now and then uh, the, the hockey analytics community is, is still a, a relatively small community um, overall. So, you know, you kind of, kind of get to, to see what people say all the time and kind of get to know people a little bit through Twitter. Um, you know, so I know, you know, you used to play goalie. I know you did a lot of coaching. Um, so rather than like kind of do like a 15 minute, like, you know, from the beginning of how you got interested in hockey to where you are now, let's just do like, how did you, how did you get into writing about hockey and analyzing hockey? Like, how did you make that transition? Well, so really started out of kind of boredom and lack of an outlet. Um, So what happened was I, I had always been, you know, as a, as a, not maybe not as much as a player, but when I started coaching, so I, I started coaching out of kind of out of necessity. I blew my knee out when I was playing college hockey, and um, I and then they uh, the team wisely decided to re- recruit some other goalies. So I felt to like third string goalie, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so like that that basically ended my my college career. And so I started coaching high school hockey. Um, I went back and, and with one of my old coaches and started coaching. And that's really the time when I started to get into analytics, which was probably back in maybe 2001, uh, 2002, around then. And um, so I started reading uh, some of – and getting onto some of the message boards of some of the original folks, um, not really putting my work out there, but just kind of seeing you know what's out there, other ways to analyze the sport. 
And then combining that with other ways I was thinking about things from the perspective of a goalie coach, you know, how can I measure a goaltender's performance better than just saying, well, he stopped X number of shots, you know, out of, out of this total, uh, or, uh, he let in this many goals in a game. And, and so that's, that was kind of the start of it. And so I start, it really did start like a lot of people start even now it started with micro tracking. So I would be coaching my goalies and I would start to track other things other than just basic shots. I'd, I'd look at how they were making saves and I'd start to track, you know, maybe a, shots a foot off the ice. How, how many, how many shots are going there and what type of save is being made and what is the tendency of my goaltender and how successful are they with a particular approach? And then, and then try to fill in the gaps or improve them on areas where they were struggling. So that's, that's really where it started. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And, and what happened was when, when I, um, for a little while, I, well, I went to law school in new Orleans and I, I moved to Houston, Texas, and I didn't have an outlet. I, I didn't play as much. I was, I was coaching club hockey down at Tulane. Uh, but then I, I left and moved to Houston. I had no outlet whatsoever. So that's when I started to say, you know what, I'm going to take some of this stuff that I have been doing on my own or thinking about, and I'm going to start writing about it. And it started with the team stuff. I was following the, the Rangers, obviously, kind of became my, my team um, and uh, started writing about them. I started writing about the Vancouver Canucks because a, a kid I coached, Nick Medino, was playing there. And, uh, and then I started kind of weaving in the analytics stuff and, and thoughts about, you know, focusing on goaltenders, but all different stuff. And, um, and some folks latched on and they said, wow, that's really interesting. So um, that's, that's really the, the whole backstory. And I think that's, you know, for a lot of people, it's not so much, um, well, you know, I, I decided I'm going to get into analytics and I'm going to do it. Yes, some people are curious and they want to get into it and figure it out, but for a lot of people, it's just kind of like you're thinking about these things and then you go start searching around and you see, oh, wow, there's other people that are thinking about this stuff, too. And there's actual, actually interest in going a little bit deeper. And that's that's how you kind of cultivate that that interest in, in uh, you know, contributing to the community, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I uh, I was a little let down because when you started saying micro tracking, I just imagined you like shrinking like Ant Man size and then <laughs> and then micro tracking something else there. But I suppose I'll have to wait for another guest to actually yeah. give me my dream of micro tracking. So, like, what's the one thing that you've discovered then that it, it, has there been a in your tracking travels? Like, what's been the most su- surprising? like metric, I guess, in your opinion that you've seen to be like, wow, that actually, I like he had you, like you didn't know about it before now that you know about it. And then now, you know, it's actual importance or does, does something like that even exist? Well, I, I guess going back to goalies, I think the thing that surprised me the most is when I started to get into, so when I developed the um, adjusted goal saved above average statistic, and I started looking at performance of goaltenders against their peers against the average NHL goalie above or below um, and tried to do so without an unbiased approach, you know, not really looking to vault up my favorite goaltender, but just taking the entire league and, and, you know, moving the data around and, and seeing what it looked like. I started to see that there were goalies that were just very, very overlooked, even to the point that people thought they were bad, that, um, 
they were actually performing a lot better. And so then that made me start to to say, and it's something I always knew, well, you know, so much of goaltending is dependent on the team in front of the goalie. So can we can we start to isolate the goaltender's performance from the statistics or the statistic, you know, the available information we have out there? Can we start to isolate the goaltender's performance and separate or tease that out from the team? And, you know, one of the things I think that we're at is we're at this crossroads and we've been here for a couple of years now where everybody who has analyzed goaltenders and maybe, you know, I was one of the people at the, at the forefront or at the start of it. And then other people jumped in too, to try to better on what I had done, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that when people, you know, are like, let me do it better than you. Um, <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's a good thing. It means that you're, you know, you're making people think so, but when that started to happen, we all kind of came back and I, I had done a couple conferences where I talked about this. We all kind of came back and said, we can't find anything that's predictive season over season for a goaltender. And really what that means is it's not that goaltenders are entirely random and, you know, one season to the next, they're just a complete, you know, it's everybody's guess what they're going to do. I think what it, what it indicates is that it's incredibly hard to pull out their individual performance from the team. And there are, I think there are layers, you know, like an onion to peel away from that. When people say team effects, what does that mean? I think that, that we need to start analyzing what are the different variables and how impactful are they on a goaltender, on analyzing a goaltender's performance and try to peel that out. And, and that's where, going back to micro tracking, that's where it's going to become more important to get um, more, da- more data so that we can start to isolate a specific variable and tease it away from the goalie and say, okay, how does that change the, the overall picture of the goalie? I think until we do that, we're just kind of shooting in the dark to try to figure out, you know, and, and I'm not talking about the Lundquist and the, you know, the guys that where you, everybody just knows that they're great. I'm talking about everything in between, which is most yeah. of the other goalies. We're never going to be able to tell, you know, undoubtedly who is better than who or who you should spend your money on until we do that. And, and I don't even think we're really close to it. And so that was kind of one of the eye-opening things that, that's happened. And, you know, I, I hope that we'll take more steps to get there. Yes, I think um, for me in terms of analyzing goalies, I don't really do a lot of it in terms of like what I write. Like like this past year, I wrote an article about November-ish because Jimmy Howard was off to a really good start. And I wanted to kind of see, I wanted to try to look at, you know, one of the things you said, like how much of this is him and how much of this is the team in front of him, you know, how much yeah. is he. And, you know, I started to look at things like, you know, high danger save percentage, you know, like is the team letting up a lot of high danger chances and he's just saving a lot more than usual or, you know, so, I mean, I know that it's, uh, you know, and I didn't even go too in depth. And I mean, I started to get kind of confused and trying to, you know, chicken <laughs> in the egg, cart before the horse, all that. Yeah. All that, yeah you know, it's really stuff. hard. It's really, I think oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's I think that's that's where you see it is when you're looking at things not so much analyzing the the goalie but you're trying to explain a team's performance and then there are these blips that you know we always that's another area that's tough to analyze is defense. Well, I think so much of it is that there are so many things going on in a hockey game at one time and and we just don't have enough data to kind of peel out specific things isolate them and say okay here's the impact of this thing on the you know overall goals for and goals against 
Um, and I hope that we get there. I mean, some of that uh, is, is that there are companies that are out there that provide that data to NHL teams, but it's black box. So we in the public can't see it. We can't vet it. We can't analyze it. And that's frustrating. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, I think that I, I would hope that somebody, whether it's the NHL or a company is going to be smart enough to leverage the public and release some of that, that data so that we can analyze it and tell them what's meaningful because there are a lot of smart people that are on the outside of that that could probably do a better job of telling them what the hell is going on than the people on the inside. I think what this boils down to, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, uh, I think this what boils down to is we need to come up with a system like the Dorothy three from Twister, where we need to get <laughs> we need to get inside of the storm yes. to be able to get the telemetry data in order to better understand it. So I think what we should do is now every goalie should have motion capture sensors inside of their equipment and have their entire games mapped about how they're it, like the, the 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 way they contort much like you know the primitive uh, xbox uh, connect yep. uh, wireframe thing you know where it was just oh a head and two hands and two feet and a midsection yep that's <laughs> the only thing you need to do to motion capture a human body so yeah all right well i'll, I'll get to work on that yeah. pete i know you have a follow-up yeah. to this so i'm gonna start working on cutting up a bunch of pop cans <laughs> that's the best uh, analogy for trying to get better data i think i've ever heard is- <laughs> There we go. That's that's going on the poster uh, um, when, when we make the film of our podcast. So, um, yeah, because like I was saying, you know, like I don't really do a lot of, anal- you know, uh, analyzing goaltending uh, in the, the, you know, the normal writing that I do for the site and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I like a lot of people play fantasy hockey and every year I'm trying to. You know, like, like there's been so many years where I've had such a good team and my goaltending just kills me. And so, like last year, I was like, I'm going to get Ranta because I don't care. Like, even if Arizona is not that great, I think he's going to do really good. And then the first half of the season happened. And of course, (laughs) like the second half, you know, he played kind of like, you know, I expected him to do. He he played really, really, really well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him next year. But I wanted to I wanted to ask you something because um. I saw something that, that I thought was pretty cool because I know I know when you're on Dmitry uh, Filipovich's podcast, you talking about you know Vegas and the finals and flurry. You know, well actually at, th- at that point I don't know if it was the finals, but like you know playoffs, their playoff run, flurry. Yeah. And um, I saw something really interesting on Twitter from Paul Campbell, and I just wanted to see uh, what you thought about it because um, it definitely seemed like flurry with flurry or and or the knights because obviously it's not necessarily one or the other it could be a combination of both or, or his defense or whatever but it seemed like in the finals they were giving up a lot more goals than than before like flurry seemed to be making a lot more saves in in the previous rounds like you know against the jets you know he was just playing out of his mind and paul had something some, like a cool little video tweet on on twitter where he kind of broke down how flurry like was playing i guess he's like this is the way he normally does or at least the way that that he has been doing it like he really really commits to the shooter if they're if they're coming down the outside and kind of leaves the back door wide open uh-huh. and in the past vegas's defense was you know either cutting off that pass or because you know flurry's athleticism he was able to get over quick enough quickly enough before the shot but 
you know, when you're playing a team with Kuznetsov and Backstrom and Ovechkin, you know, they're getting <laughs> that shot off really quickly. It can only so, happen so many times. <laughs> yeah. this, so I was wondering, uh, do, you, do you think that that's, that that makes sense that that can at least explain part of why he was giving up more goals than he had before? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think that Flurry. Uh, so I think Flurry is an aggressive goaltender. He, he definitely is, and he will take the first shot. Some of some of it is also he's not always aggressive. He, it depends on the opponent, and it also depends on uh, the meaning. It depends on kind of what they're giving him, um, or maybe how he it, you know preconceived kind of game planning strategy. But it also depends on what his team is doing for him. He, he uh, this season with Vegas, was probably more aggressive than he's ever been, uh, even with the Penguins. Um, and part of that was, yes, that his defense was very good at getting back and picking up the trailing guys. They were a great back-checking team. And I think that they just either ran out of gas against the Capitals or just, you know, mm. whatever happened, happened. I mean, they just – they fell flat. And, look, it's hockey. That that happens. So yeah. – um, but they are a phenomenal back-checking team. And so he could afford to get out and attack the first shooter uh, and not, not worry about the pass, knowing that his teammates were going to um, not so much bail him out, but, but – play that role of cutting off the paths or tying up the guy going to the net, whatever the case may be. And so that's, that's a, that's a team strategy. It's not just the goaltender, you know, and then the team reacting to the goaltender. There are goalies like that where it's, you know, John quick, John quick is John quick. Like he's going to do what he does and you've got to work around him, And that's the end of it. Um, I think that flurry is a little bit more malleable and he can rein it in a little bit um, if he needs to. Now, the, the one thing about Flurry is he is incredibly athletic, so he can, in some instances, get a, enough of a push, even from an aggressive stance, you know, uh, a depth out of his net that you know, most goalies could never recover. He can get that push and get across. He has this funny reputation where people say, oh, he flies out of his net and he loses his positioning. It, that's not the case. He is just getting very aggressive on the first shot, and then he's going for broke to get to the guy coming across. It's his style. He focuses on the first shooter more. And, and then he, you know, he takes his chances and sometimes the pass gets across and he's got to throw his body across. Um, you know, every, there, are, there are so many different styles of goaltending. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, when people say, well, a guy is over aggressive. Well, I don't know if they're, <laughs> there's, there's super aggressive goalies and there's super conservative <laughs> ones. And whatever yeah. works for them got them to this level. Um, and Flurry is established is is probably a more aggressive leaning goalie. And I think it just really did come down to against the Caps. They just they weren't back checking the same. They were out of sorts. Uh, you could see there were so many times where the Capitals got the middle of the ice through the neutral zone, and um, you know with speed and with numbers. And that is very unlike um, any other opponent that Vegas played against where they really neutralized the the rush through the neutral ice. So I think that really kind of screwed them all up. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank goodness it did because the universe has righted itself. Oh god. Cuz 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 the night the nightmare's over, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I was all about Vegas. I was going to say Nick is a longtime Vegas Knights playoff fan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, you're I'm sorry, but you're just your drought has to continue. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been long suffering. I know. I, I was there all the way back at game two. 
<laughs> and I'm still it's like, what, you know, wait, you've been following for three weeks. You bandwagon? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if there is one thing I'd like to take away from their season, it's that they not only gave us the most absurd storylines, but then also just phenomenal bandwagon joke fan material like he, like I, I don't know if there's ever been another team that's come into existence i mean maybe blackhawks because we still like to torture them heinously for yeah. how old they've been you know we're talking gosh they're gonna be 10 years old this uh, next year <laughs> wow it's, it's it's something else um but uh yeah so you know i first of all pete and and i'm again i don't know if i expressed this before i do like that we have goaltender people uh, coming out for our, our fun little chats here, you know, I think I think Katz Silverman was uh, another fantastic goalie centric guest. So uh, now it's time to turn the the attention a little bit more on the home front for for Pete and I, I guess. And we were wondering, uh, Nick, if there is any uh, this this question comes from uh, Raw Power, who I will forever not know how to correctly say. I like it. It's it's like the USB, right? It's either Fifty percent one way or fifty percent the other way. Um, so uh, they ask, uh, who should the Wings look at targeting for the backup goalie position, and then do any of the prospects get a shot in Grand Rapids uh, this year? Peter Mrazek. <laughs> no. oh, <God>. oh, zing! <laughs> Super zing! Um, I, you know, I'd like them to probably make a play for um, a guy who can buy for the starting position and and then um i mean howard's it's great that howard came back uh after you know several years of injuries and and kind of so-so play but he's 34 so they need somebody who can step in this year if needed right um i don't know that they can you know bring somebody i mean maybe they could uh you know, bring somebody who's young up, but I, I really do think that they need to make a vie for somebody who can start. Uh, and I, I would say the top candidate would be, uh, you know, potentially the guy who just won the cup in Grubauer. Um, yeah. Grubauer, he needs to start somewhere. Um, you know, he, he can't stay a backup, especially now that they, they won a cup. Uh, so I, I would imagine that he is going to be, um, sought after by several teams. I think it might be a good fit uh, in Detroit because when you've got a 34-year-old goalie who, you know, has bouts with injuries and has a history of, you know, sometimes he ebbs and flows based on his health uh, in terms of his performance, you've got to have somebody there that can start. I think that would be um, a good landing spot for Grubauer. He would look at that and go, oh, cool, I can, you know, I can – kind of float into this, get, get comfortable and then take over. Um, so I, I think he would be a perfect candidate, but I could also name some other teams that he'd be a perfect candidate for too. So that's where I get to, you know, you you might want some other backup plans there. Um, yeah, well, we don't care about those teams. (laughs) All those other teams suck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it too is, um, you know, how far, how far away is Detroit from really being, you know, truly competitive again. And obviously in the NHL. It's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> what a, such a great question. Yeah. It, it, obviously in the NHL, I mean, look, you know, the, the roadmap is a little bit uh, muddy there when you're talking about a team that you know, maybe hasn't completely bottomed out and could make a couple moves and 
and get back into a race for an eighth spot or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, that I, I think that they have more to worry about than in net and, um, they might want to kind of address the, the, the overall, I mean, you guys are around it more than I am, but from an outsider's perspective, I'm not sure that they have a clear direction right now. Um, and that's something that they're going to want to address before they, you know, break the bank on a, a goaltender or do anything like that. In which case, they should just uh, promote from within and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, um, yeah, def- definitely good. I know I've been I've been big on the Grubauer train uh, in terms of trying to get him. I know uh, Chris Watkins, uh, Yolo Pinato on Twitter, and and former and future for sure guest. Uh, I know I think it was last year he was trying to push trade Holtby and promote Grubauer. Um, now, of yeah. course, Holtby won the Stanley Cup, so ended up working out for them. But I mean, I, I can definitely see that. You know, it, it's always tough when you have a a goalie that's very, very, very good, but is starting to get into the older stage of his career. And then you have this up and comer that could be really good, but he's not proven it yet, you know, because you don't want to, you know, sometimes you have to kind of make that choice and you're always second guessing yourself. So you're talking about Kuro. Um, uh, no, no, no. Oh, God. No, no I was talking about you. Oh, 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 man. Sorry. Uh, I just had to. Uh, I, 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 for, for a glorious moment, I had forgotten that he exists. Uh, and he, he's fine, but I mean, he's, he's pretty much like the Those, AHL is, well, going right. to be his uh, limit. Well, I'm glad that the, uni- you know, that the, the, the earth got back on its axes and because <laughs> for a while there, they were really talking about Coro as like the next, uh, you know, the next oh, coming. God. And I, I, yeah. I know I went on a few podcasts and was very, very critical of that. Yes. I was like, this oh, guy yes. is, uh, you know, if he, if he maintains an AHL career, that would be good for him. Uh, yes. I, I didn't, I wasn't even sure if he was an, uh, an AHL starter, never mind an NHL goaltender at all. Um, so yeah. And anyway, I mean, I mean, honestly, like I, there is part of me that wants him to be the starter next year, and because of two words, which is Jack Hughes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He probably gives us the best chance to uh, to, to to get the best lottery position. But um, let's see. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> I mean, that's I guess that's the point. Is is uh, you know, are they going to commit to it? Are, are they just going to really bottom out, or are they going to you know kind of pretend to be competitive? And that's that's where they need to think about the moves they make and maybe standing pat is the best thing they could do. And they just, you know, kind of let themselves, uh, you know, fall into darkness for a little while. <laughs> I, I felt like they got maybe, I think this is what's funny, Pete, because I think they actually accidentally got really close to, to accomplishing a higher, a higher draft position, but then they, but then they like got in their own heads and forgot to do it because they were, and I've been saying this pretty much everywhere. And I feel like people hate me because I, these were the same words keep coming out of my mouth. Competitive losing. Yeah. I don't care. Like, like all a bunch of the games this year. And they were talking about it a bunch on the pregames, just like, Oh, the Red Wings have won like 20, 23 games have lost 23 games by just one goal. And I'm like, that's perfect. I, I wouldn't, I don't want to talk about the 35 <laughs> games they lost by five you know there's there's like this awesome ability to like oh they're fun to watch but they kind of but they still kind of suck which is like what the tigers are doing right now so it's like it's entertaining but when they lose you don't feel like your uh like your soul's left your body you're like yeah. ooh, they're like that close so like yeah they're, they're actually like yeah they're not pretty buffalo good. 
they're not. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah. Towards the end there, there were like a couple of games where I think it was like right around March. It was like, okay, all right. So if they just keep losing like three to two, two to one, you know, that stuff. I mean, I think we're going to be in pretty good position, but then they won like six in a row or something. And it was like, okay. Yeah, of yeah, course. Stop. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Way to go guys. Yeah. You know, you know the the thing you were trying to do, you can't do it now. Right? <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Oh, wait, it's what, such what, a double edged sword because you want to be invested in your team for the entire season. And like, I, I, I've never been. Well, if hey, it might happen next season with the Rangers. I don't know, but I've yeah. never been in a true like let's tank type of you know mode. I mean, this year, the second half of this season was the first time. But I, I when I was watching, I was like, I don't like this because I hate watching Lundqvist in his sadness you know yeah. like if they're gonna do it like please trade him to a contender you know get let's get rid of the innocent folks in this scenario and really just do it you know where we uh where we have no, we have no like moral obligation to even pretend to be competitive and um I, that's how i feel like the red wings are a little bit like that like they have a, a bit of a moral obligation because of their years and years of success and you know, Zetterberg and these guys, like they have to still kind of put a, a decent product on the ice. The problem is when you do that and you're competitive every night, you're going to actually win some games and then you don't get to that goal of actually getting better any faster. Yeah. I think um, it would, it would be fun to have a Twitter account that had nothing but like Henrik Lundqvist and Hank Zetterberg uh, post, you know, locker, locker uh, press conferences, pictures side yep. to side. Cause they're, it's just like, like this year we had the sad Zetterberg. Well, last year too, but um, all right. So we're gonna have to let you go in a second uh, just cause you know, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, I already, I have a, a list of questions that I wanted to talk about that we'll have to save for next time. But um, I, I wanted to make sure before, uh, before we let you go, we talked a little about th- that. We talked a little bit about the Rangers cause we had a really good question here that I think is, is a pretty standard question, but you know, you just mentioned it. Uh, so MK Elon uh, asked, how long do you predict that Lundqvist will be the starter for the Rangers? So like, you know, what do you think is his future? Yeah. So, so the, the, the Rangers have a ton of top goaltending prospects coming up. Uh, they have, they're flush with goaltending prospects. So they could conceivably ride Hank until, you know, the some some of those guys are really really ready to come up and then have kind of a graceful handoff and i i actually think that hank would be happy doing that i think he truly does want to stay in new york and retire a ranger um i don't think that he would take offense to that even though he's a competitor everybody gets to a point where they you know they are in a real decline and it's time to you know hand off the baton so i think that i i that's probably the most likely scenario is that's what's going to happen. But um, that is not the best scenario for a full rebuild because Hank is always going to keep them competitive. It's just, yeah. he's that good that he can do that by himself. And even as he gets older, he's going to really have to fall off a cliff to, to have, you know, to have the team kind of, totally bottom out um so if they want to truly rebuild and they want to do right by him they'll trade him to a contender so he can go chase a cup and um and then uh you know go with like george evan net who's probably a mid mid-tier prospect and is not going to really get in the way of of you know being the sabers for a couple years um (laughs) It, you know that said they they have more they have more in the coffer in terms of 
young prospect talent than um, some other teams that are going through a rebuild. So I think that their timeline to get competitive again is probably a little shorter. It's just, it's still going to be too long for, you know, for Hank who who's coming to the end here. So um, I, I'd love to just see him get traded off uh, this year or next year to a competitive team to, to try to chase a cup, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, then that's, then that's, uh, sorry, Hank. <laughs> he, he'll, yeah, yeah he'll, we tried. <laughs> right. He'll, he'll be 39 and, and, and be kind of just, you know, kind of gracefully, you know, handing off the, the starting reins and then, you know, retire as a ranger. That's, that's kind of what I'm seeing is going to happen. Yeah. Beauty. That makes sense. Beauty. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Nick. Well, um, at the time of this recording, we're pretty sure that you have episodes of Legion to get to. So that's just about our time here on our wonderful interview <laughs> segment here. Thank you very much for joining us. For those of you listening who have not experienced the glory and gospel that is Nick Mercadante, you can follow him on Twitter at, at N Mercad. That's N as in Nancy, M as in Mark, E R C A D. Uh, and you know, I, I could have done the Archer thing there, like M is in Mancy, but <laughs> I know oh, everybody's. I thought you'd do N is in Nick, M is in Dante. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I gotta, I, that's your joke, Pete. I don't want to steal your jokes. I want, I want to make my own. So, uh, yeah, be sure to follow, uh, Nick out there, folks. And, uh, again, at the time of this recording, the cup final is already done. So, yeah, pretty much Legion and baby stuff you'll follow him for. So, that's the real reason we wanted you to. To follow along. So, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, and we're back. So, uh, we hope you really liked that interview as much as we enjoyed doing it. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna cut to a couple new segments, or not? Wait. So, so we're gonna go to a, a couple more segments before the end of the episode. Um, so, we had some good mailbag questions, as usual. Uh, a couple people asked about the draft. Couple of people asked a couple of different questions about the draft. So, so rather than just answer those specific questions, we'll talk a little bit about it in general. Um, the one thing I'm going to say is we're not going to talk too much. We're not going to spend like 10, 15 minutes talking about the Red Wings uh, draft possibilities. Uh, and the reason for that is because on the previous episode of Wim Radio that came out a couple of days ago, uh, we talked about that a lot. So if you're interested in that, then, you know, go listen to that podcast. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it, but we're not, you know, if, if there's people to listen to both, which I know there are, I don't want to just repeat what, what we already said before. Um, so basically for the, for the Red Wings, they have the sixth overall pick, uh, but then they also have some other uh, selections Early on, they have uh, the 30th overall pick, uh, which came from Vegas as part of the Tomas Tatar deal. They have the uh, 33rd overall, which is the second pick in the fir- in the second round, uh, which is part of the Brendan Smith trade. And a couple picks later, they have the 36th overall pick, which is which is their pick uh, in the second round, uh, which is the fifth pick. Because if you remember, the Red Wings went back one in the lottery. Um, there's other teams with uh, with some interesting interesting picks. So the fourth overall pick uh, is interesting because Ottawa has chosen to hold on to it. It was part of the Matthew Shane trade, and basically they had to choose whether or not to keep it or to send it to uh, Colorado. So basically Colorado is going to get Ottawa's 2019 first round pick, which would be incredibly amazing if <laughs> if Ottawa ends up winning the lottery. Uh, and then they have to give Jack Hughes to Colorado, which will go down in history as one of the most lopsided trades if that ends up happening. Um, but 
we have um you know the Arizona Coyotes fell uh because of uh Carolina and Montreal winning, uh, you know, one of the lottery selections. So Carolina, Arizona fell the fifth, which sucks for them because they've been bad for a long time and they still haven't gotten that, you know, first overall pick or even second. I don't think, um, the Rangers have multiple first round picks. The Islanders have two picks in a row, 11 and 12. So there's a lot of really interesting things that could happen. Um, the short breakdown for for the draft is that Rasmus Dahlin, unless there's something crazy that happens, is going to go first overall to Buffalo. Carolina has the second overall pick. They have they have said that if they do not trade it, that they they will be taking Andrei Svechnikov, which they definitely should. And then here's where things get interesting because basically Philip uh, Philip Zadina is the next best player according to most uh, most people. And he is, he probably, you know, he should be the third overall pick, but uh, Montreal has, has pretty much made it clear that they, they, they're probably going to go with a center or a defenseman. Uh, so there's a very good chance that they either move back um, or that they, um, or that they don't take, don't take Sedina and he drops, which would be interesting because, you know, like I said, he really should be going third. Um and then after that, you have uh, Philip Kachuk is, is around or not Philip Kachuk. I'm sorry. After that, you have Brady Kachuk. You have Oliver Wallstrom. They're both forwards. They're both. Um, I'm sorry. Kachuk is a winger. Uh, Wallstrom is a center. And they're they're definitely considered the next two best forwards. And then you have a giant group of defensemen. You have Quinn Hughes. You have Adam Bockfist. You got Evan Bouchard. You got Noah Dobson. There's even a couple more people in that area. Um so Dobson, we've got Dobson here. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jurassic so, Park reference. Sorry. So, Jay, yeah, I guess you know, we like I said uh, in in the Wim Radio thing, we talked a lot about this, and so I'm not going to talk about my my prediction or not my prediction, my uh, my my opinion, like what I want for that, just because we talked, uh, you know, I, I did that at length in the other one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, what are you thinking for the Red Wings? And then I guess what are you looking at in terms of the overall draft? Like, like what do you think like could be some type of an interesting storyline or something that you're going to be paying attention to during the draft? Well, given how many picks the wings have, I, I'm very curious because there was somebody, I forget who I was reading it from, but they were mentioning how it's possible. Like the wings can move down to try and get into an Islander scenario where they have a couple of picks back to back. So the fact that they have so many picks in, in that first round, you know, Hey, I've, Again, that's what's so weird because, like you said, with the Zadina stuff, it would be really, really strange if he fell to within range of us possibly taking him, in which case I'd say, hey, let's let's flip and go for it. I mean, granted, we are in desperate need of defense. Like, I, I, like, I don't even know if there are current words in, in existence made by the humans or aliens abroad that could – appropriately define how much we need defense and yeah so i i think i mean as far as the red wings are concerned i am totally content and willing to make this a defense priority draft just take as bet as many of the defenses as possible because i don't think it's necessarily been this is the weird part because i think there's been i think in recent years too much of an emphasis on two-way playing yes it's Yes, it's great, but as we've talked about recently with either like Athanasiu or Mantha, you know, like when guys have the scoring touch, you have to let them run. You have to let them do that stuff, which means you can't really try and mold them into a two-way player because I think the reason why there's been an emphasis on two-way players is because 
the defense has been so subpar. So you want to be able to have defensive minded guys. I'm not saying, you know, have zero defensive defensive minded forwards and stuff, but I just feel like if, if we're going to focus on defense, that's great because then I think that'll actually help and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong on this, but you know, I feel like if our defense is more showed up, that'll probably give our forward core just, just enough relaxation to maybe let loose a little bit, be a little bit more relaxed and think a little bit more cerebrally in, 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 on the offensive side of things rather than trying to handle two things at once. Cause well, yeah, plus they don't have to come back and get the puck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, seeing the evolution of, of Larkin this year was like fantastic, right? It's great. But in the back of my mind, I was like, geez, I don't want 12 Larkins like that. Like I would love to have s- scoring threats. You know, yes. At the end of the day, we all commend Scotty Bowman for transforming Eisman from just an offensive minded individual to being one of the greatest two-way players ever but at the same time like you need offense you need goal scoring and you know I'm not I'm not too uh worried about our goal scoring ability I think we were just so focused on you know either being too defensive minded or too worried about like ah geez you know is so-and-so going to be able to get there or geez they pinched at the wrong time now I gotta try and compensate right like if we can shore up our you know this is the other part that sucks, Pete, and, and and I will talk about this until the cows come home because I think the NHL is so weird in this department. We won't see any of these guys this year, right? Like Buffalo, you'll probably see Darlene, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but he'll he'll probably be he'll probably be on the third pair, maybe second pair. I mean, like they're right, not gonna but, they're not gonna throw him be to in the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll be in the show. There's, so, there's a couple. There's yeah. a couple that 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 could could make the NHL out of camp. Yeah. So, but then again, the drafts are always top heavy, right? So it's like pretty much after the top three picks, we're talking sharp declines in several key areas across the board. And so it's like, okay, so whoever we pick, we always, I always have to resign myself to, I'm not going to see this person (laughs) for maybe two years or ever, (laughs) right? So that's, that's a little rough, but I think given where the Red Wings are right now and how they need to really robustly build through the draft. I think it's safe to assume that Pete, we are probably living in a glory age of, yeah, we're paying attention to these prospects and we're, we we will want to see them because the idea is that we want to see what they've got. We want to see if they've got the, you know, they've got the touch. Yeah. They got the power. It's funny. So, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking <laughs> Rick and Morty, show me what you got. <laughs> I like what you got. Um, I, I'm actually really jelly. Uh, so that's 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 my thought with with the Red Wings stuff. I'm actually very jelly of of the Islanders, as you said, because they're back to back pick stuff. Uh, the Rangers have very close picks towards the end of the first round too. I just like this draft order that I'm looking at right now. Kind of reminds me of like really bad baseball drafts where it was the snake, you know, mm. where it's like it goes down and then works its way back up to. I, I again, I, I guess I should be thankful that this is the way that these drafts are currently lined up to be because if they were any other way i mean i think we would have all been in the sanitarium years ago in, yeah. in padded rooms and and lovely straight jackets that have nice buckles well but i mean you just mentioned the islanders and so um i wanted to talk a little bit about yeah yeah uh, do it Islanders. so um the for for my my friends who are still fans you're still fans of the islanders um the the long national nightmare is, is over um, 
Garth Snow is gone. He has been fired uh, along with head coach Doug Waits. And he was fired by Lou Lamorello, who I think I forget if I forget. I don't think we talked about this uh, since he was hired by the Islanders. But he uh, he came in. He took over. Um, as of right now, he's acting as the general manager. Um, it seems like he definitely could be bringing in somebody else to play that role. Um, there's a lot of speculation about who that could be. Um, one of the names out there is, is potentially Mark Hunter because uh, he was an assistant GM with, with along with Kyle Dubas at um, in Toronto. And so Dubas got promoted and um, basically Mark Hunter is definitely going to be leaving for somewhere else, um, which is not surprising. I mean, the, the general yeah. idea, you know, the general word on the street was that whoever didn't get the general manager position was going to want to go elsewhere, which makes sense. Um, you know, they're both considered to be, you know, pretty capable of, you know, like in that next group of people who, sh- you know, you know, will likely get a shot to to be a general manager. Um, and so they're not going to want to sit behind the new guy who just got the job for years and years. Um, so, yeah, I think Mark Hunter could be could be somebody who makes his way over there. Um, you know, there's lots of other options, too. But the big thing is that for the longest time, the New York Islanders have been run Unlike many of the teams in the league, a lot of their hirings, a lot of their, uh, you know, front office personnel has been, um, you know, who do you know, as opposed to you, you are qualified to do this job. And of course, I mean, every, every team will have like, you know, a former player in some type of a role. I mean, that happens all the time, but with the Islanders, it was like to the extreme, um, you know, when they it took them forever to fire Jack Capuano, definitely at least two years after it was apparently, you know, blatantly obvious that he wasn't working out. Um, and when they did, they promoted Doug Waite, who Doug Waite's not not bad. I mean, obviously, he was a really good player. Um, he has a really good reputation in the league. Um, he seemed to do a pretty good job as an assistant coach, but basically it seems like they didn't even really try to go out and look outside the organization. Like that's just how it works. It's like, well, next guy up, um, which is not the best way to run a team. So, um, I think regardless, I think the Islanders are, are definitely in a better spot than they were before that happened. Obviously, depending on who they bring in, I think, um, my, if I were Lou Lamorello, my number one pick would be to reach out right now to Barry Trotz and see if he, you know, because his, his contract expired with the Capitals. And of course, he could stay. He could stay in Washington. But I think it makes a lot of sense for Lou to reach out and try to get him uh, because up until now, I have been pretty much adamant that John Tavares was not going to resign with the Islanders. Um, and after getting rid of Doug Waite and Gar Snow, I think that the chances of that happening are, are, of him actually signing with the Islanders are much, much higher than they were before. Um, in, in the interview, Nick Mercadante talked about the Red Wings possibly going after Philip Grubauer. I think that, again, that's going to be another target of Lou Lamorello um, because I think, you know, the goaltending has been such a problem for the Islanders. And I think right now he's trying to show Tavares rather than just tell him, just be like, look, we're, things are going to be different now. We're going to have a real NHL coach. We're going to have a real, NH, you know, a real goalie. We're going to, you know, we're going to make real NHL decisions. Um, and we're not just going to kick the can down the road. And so I think, I think what you're going to see is in the next week or two, I think you're going to see some of those things fall into place. Um, but we'll see. Cause it's, it's still really interesting with Tavares. Um, like I said, right now, my money would be on him staying in Long Island just because 
number one, that's kind of typically how it happens. Most of the time, these, these guys just end up saying where they are. Um, but it does seem like there is a plan in place, whereas before, the, the big reason why I said Tavares wouldn't resign is because it didn't really seem like there was any p- actual plan uh, in place to make things better. So, so, so what, what do you think about this? Do you think that, um, do you think Tavares stays? Do you think that the Islanders turn it around? Uh, what do you think? I certainly think the climate has improved. I certainly think the conditions of him returning have improved, but I don't know. I get the feeling he wants to like uh, not wait. (laughs) So maybe he, he still jumps ship Uh, or at that point, you know, if that's still his intention, then, Hey Lou, congratulations. Thanks for taking the job. Your first active business trade, John Tavares. (laughs) It's just like, well, they can't, I mean, they can trade his rights. Right, right, yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah. still, though, that still sounds cool. Like, right, no, I you're, understand, you're, yeah. Like, you're you're going to be involved in the transaction of, you know, a player who's been the face of the franchise for for forever, and, yeah. you know, now you want to, you know, it's, it's not like, hey, you know, uh, welcome to the show, um, I don't know, if you want to, like, shore up your coaching staff or something, you know, just like, do that first, like, no, 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 like, well, you're, you're hired. Oh, by the way, can you settle the – crux of the direct the trajectory of this team for the foreseeable future <laughs> yeah please, please and thank you um i i i think he'll stay but it just because you know like i said the the i think the conditions are a lot nicer but i i don't know if it's going to be a stay before the like i said yeah they're going to try i guess my dream scenario would be that he still, I think for most people, would be. I wish there was a better way for him to test free agency without necessarily having to burn any bridges, as it were. I mean, maybe that is a good way that this is set up because that kind of does force you to make. I mean, it's kind of like decision, kind of what but, Samco's did. Well, right, but you know, like there's, you know, like does the offer change if you test? You know, like hey, we'll give you this, but if you test free agency, we're not going to give you that much. Which then you're all already backing somebody into it. Yeah, a corner. I think so, that would like, be a very poor decision by the management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's not what the Islanders do because if there was any surefire way to assure that Tavares does leave is to do exactly that. So yeah, because um, I mean, like uh, we were talking about this the other day, I think on on the Wim Radio thing. And I think it was like off mic. Uh, and oh my gosh, like Tavares is is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. Um, and I mean, you can't really em- overemphasize how important he is to that organization and to that fan base. And it's just going to be really disappointing if they lose him for nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's what, what was the what was the thing we we're talking about? Perennial automatic trade prospect, Athens CU. Just yeah. like I think I think every team will have their. Their uh, say, as it were, if if Tavares elects to to take a step out, but um, yeah, I if Snow and and Wait stayed, I think that would have been like a clear sign, like nothing's changing. Yes, get me out of here. Yeah, that's that's, that's I think that's, that's exactly a foregone conclusion. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. where I was coming from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now that that's not happening. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Stay. Why not? But then, I, again, obviously, you have to assume that there's conversations being made, or conversations will have to be had about like, okay, so I'm staying. 
What are you going to do? And then Lamorella opens up the Necronomicon that he's been using to be successful for the last 800 years. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to steal the souls of these people. We're going to steal the youth from these people. And it's going to be great. And then, boom, you're, you're cup winner. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say 60-40, he stays. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think, for me, I think it may be a little higher. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to be shocked whatever happens like i mean yeah. you know other than some ridiculous scenario like uh, i mean i can't even think of something that would really surprise me but um yeah, actually you know what would surprise me is if he took like a one-year deal for like two million dollars so that he could <laughs> go to like pittsburgh or something like that or yeah. you know, a team that you know <laughs> and, and i mean because like a lot of these teams with the cap going up um potentially five million dollars I mean, a lot of these teams could fit him under their cap, especially if he was willing to do a short-term deal, which I'm not saying he will. Um, but but I always thought this was interesting. And uh, Dave Lozo brought it up on, I think it was the Biscuits podcast, um, where it would be really interesting if, you know, because Marion Hosa did this, where he took, what was it a one-year deal? Two-year? It was a one-year deal, right? Because um, he, he was chasing the cup. And yeah, uh, yeah. it ended up it ended up not working out two years in a row uh, yeah. for the opposite reason. But, you know, in, in the NBA and, and some of these other leagues, you know, you have some of these players who are like, I will sign a one year deal, you know, because then next year I'm going to, you know, the cap's going to go up and I'm going to make more money. And you're you're you'd be, you know, if, if you were somebody like Tavares, you'd be making a very, very calculated risk because there's a yeah. lot of risk. You know, if you blow out your knee, well, that's it. You're done. Um, yep. But I mean that would that would probably be the best way to maximize your earning potential uh, if everything goes right. But like I said, there is the caveat that you could end up losing a lot of money. Um, so oh yes, I, oh I, yes. Like I, I do think I do think in the near future, maybe the next couple of years, I think somebody's going to do that. I think some pretty big name free agent is going to do that. They're going to sign a one year deal or maybe a two year deal at like way more than they would have gotten if they signed like a six-year deal, you know, per season. Um, And I don't know. I I, I do think that that's something that could happen. I mean, it makes a lot of sense on one end um, if you're willing to assume the risk. So, you know, maybe if it's somebody who's already made a good amount of money, um, you know, maybe when McDavid's done with his deal, yeah, he, he'd already have enough money that, you know, more money than he'll ever need for his whole life. So, yeah, you know, if just why not? You know, just yeah, yeah, no big deal. Just spend your prime years earning money and not cups. Yeah. Great. <laughs> stuff. That's, um, that's that's the model, kids. Follow it to a T. All right. So um, before we finish up, we had we had a, a mailbag question that I, I would definitely want to get to uh, from Rara Parr. Uh, which I, I know I come close to sometimes, but uh, I always mispronounce it a little bit. Um, so this is a really cool question. And we talked about this before off mic. So I think, you know, Jay, hopefully you've had a little bit of time to think about this. Um, so the question yeah. is, if you won the cup, who would you pass it to and why? And then I followed up, you know, because I was like, is this if we were like a player on the Red Wings or is this like hypothetically like in our personal life? And so uh, she said that she was thinking personally. So, yeah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll go from that perspective. So if you won the Stanley Cup, who in your life would you pass it off to first? If I won the Stanley Cup and the person I would hand it off to first, I'd, I mean, I'd probably hand it, probably hand it to my dad. 
I, I think that there's this, the, everybody's got their demos and it is a, I understand it's a fairly pedestrian answer. I think a lot of people would say the same thing, but there, my reasons are, you know, there's, there's, there's something about how he taught me hockey. There's something about how he introduced me to the game. Cause like he introduced it to me, but I wasn't really interested the first go around. So like he kind of let it be for a little bit, but then like kind of played like the long con Mm. <laughs> for a while and it's like hey do you want to go to the game oh, that's all right we'll 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 go next time you know like that type of thing and then and then i just got into it more and more and more and more and more and then you know i just love the freaking sport to death now and i'm just thinking like of all the people to foster and encourage my interest in it you know there's there there are a, a lot of people i think i could handed to first like uh, under certain circumstances but like i think the person i'd feel the most like, yeah, yeah, this is what I should be doing with this right now. Yeah. I'd hand it off to my dad. Cause there was, I mean, my, one of my favorite things that my dad ever told me about with, um, with actually regards to the cup. Cause it's, you know, just again, the seriousness of when he says this. So, so I'll, I'll paint this picture for you. So this is, you know, this is, this is oh gosh, this is maybe Oh five Oh six. Whenever they retired Brett Hull's number in St. Louis, okay, and the wings the wings were playing them that night, so I'm at my uncle's house with my dad, and we're watching, and so like they have Brett Hull out there, they have Bobby Hull out there, they're raising the number. Old Man by Neil Young is playing, you know, just a classic uh, father son moment that could could be had. I mean, they're those guys are two horrible people. I'm talking about the nice <laughs> the nice moment that i had with my dad at that point right screw this screw bobby and brett <laughs> that's neither here nor there um i was thinking about it because gosh you know like they they had they had a couple of his trophies there and everything and then some years later uh it was in oh nine yeah oh nine when they retired was it oh nine or was it oh eight or was it oh seven anyways they really quickly retired eisenman's number and so I'm at the ceremony and my dad's there and, and my, my buddy Joe is there as well. And so the Stanley cup is there. They're retiring they're I mean, they're retiring Eisman's number and like the cup is there. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm thinking to myself like, wait a minute. They didn't, they didn't have the cup at Brett's and he's won one. And my dad in the most serious, like, like the, like the, the future of the planet rests on what I'm about to say. Voice says, Steve Eiserman is more important to hockey than Brett Hall. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, that is, that is perfect. Okay, great. And then, you know, it's because it's, it's because of the importance that the cup has to the sport and to the, to every, and to everyone who, who wins it with that, with that city. So yeah, I definitely handed off to my dad. You know, I, my uh, fiance will attest to this. We were sitting at CJ Mahoney's and they handed the cup to Ovechkin. And I said aloud for the first time, I've never said this before ever. I'm going to put my name on that thing <laughs> one day, one day it'll happen. <laughs> and the smile on my fiance's face <laughs> was perfect. And I'm chasing that. I will now chase that smile uh, until forever. Cause that's, that's what that cup means. So like if I, if I win it, it'll be funny to just hand it off to my dad and then look over and there's my fiance smiling. And then she starts bench pressing the cup like <laughs> like it's like it's a speed gym round. Like, okay, this is a, this is your speed set. So like one, two, three. So 
So that's mine. What about you, Peter? Yeah, I mean, as you were talking, I was trying to think of an alternative answer just because, like, that's mine too. But I mean, it just like <laughs> who cares? Yeah, like I, you know, um, you know, I mean, like, like my dad intru- introduced me to the sport of hockey. You know, he introduced me to the Islanders when I was younger. Um, I got to meet like he he introduced me to Al Arbor. I got to meet Al Arbor at a game. Uh, and if it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't even been known. You know, because like I was still pretty young at that point. Uh, you know, so I got to meet Al Arbor, um, who's, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, when, you know, he introduced me to the concept of having a playoff team, which is because the Islanders are never in the playoffs, you need a team to follow. And so for him, that was Detroit. And so, you know, I ended up doing the same thing. And so obviously that's kind of led me to where I am today in terms of, you know, following hockey and being able to, to you know, to get to do some of the fun stuff I get to do. So um, you know, I think, I think definitely that's, you know, that's, it's the easy answer. It's the obvious answer, but I think that's cause it's the right answer. Um, yeah. I mean, I was trying to think, I was trying to think of like a, like a different answer and all I could come up with and, and it, not for any political reason, but it would be Barack Obama because then, <laughs> then I could tell him that he then has to be a guest on the podcast. And yeah, I just think, you know, obviously I know some of our listeners, you know, probably don't like him in terms of pol- politics and stuff. And so I'm not even trying to make a political point or anything. It's just, I think he's a f- an interesting person. I think he's, you know, one of the more interesting people I could think of to ever get to talk to. Um, and so this would be my sneaky workaround way to make that happen. So, um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you, you want to sneakily give it to a celebrity like Barack Obama. Right. Okay. I want to give it to a sneaky celebrity as well. Okay. I would give mine to Jeff Daniels. Okay. Uh, I think his Detroit connections and and I just think it'd be a really funny thing to lord over Jim Carrey because in character it would be uh, it would be (laughs) it'd be just dumb and dumber. It's like, what do I have? I have the Stanley Cup. What do you have? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Just watch watch Jim Carrey just be like, ah, I hate you so much. And he and then then the inevitable gag is that he'll Jeff Daniels will go to drink out of it, but Jim Carrey will have gotten to it first to spike it with X lax again. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I think that'd be fun. So that brings us to the end of another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. Um, so you can follow us at um, the the podcast is at 200 foot pod. That's 200 FTPOD. You can follow Jay at the roar underscore 24, and you can follow me at at P Flynn hockey. Um, so all we have left is the doc Emmerich verb of the episode. What do we got in honor of Mark Andre Fleury giving up the exact same goal. He gave up just 10 years ago to give the other team, the cup. Uh, the one that I felt best uh, personifies embodies that moment squibbed (laughs) i love squibbed but in this moment just like saved by flurry squib behind scores eller (laughs) you know i I just again the declarative style of emrick i i i really hope that right behind you know hover technology teleportation technology i hope the next thing the scientists are working on is to accurately replicate the declarative cadence that Doc Emmerich has been able to master (laughs) because 
there's that moment because you can obviously tell that as the action's happening, he only has enough time to say one thing. Scuffle! Yeah. It's a pile! <laughs> Bucks loose! Scars! <laughs> you know, there's just too much happening and he has to, he just picks each word so perfectly. So behind, when the puck's behind Flory, squib through! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to because I, I, I watched the Sportsnet coverage of the, the last game, so you know, I didn't get to hear his call of, of any of this stuff. Um, so again, we we don't know when we'll hear his voice again. Yes, we do. It's it's the thing. I was just trying to say that for comedic effect. <laughs> yeah. So that was the last verb for the while. I, I, I might try and research if there are other ones. But now that the season's done, uh, you know, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start suggesting words that Emmerich can say. <laughs> How about that? I will research every verb, every adjective, every single piece of uh, wordsmithing that's available. And I will start every week to challenge Emmerich to say that word. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, uh, this episode is, is probably the end of the first season of the for sure podcast. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So season two starting soon, uh, probably two weeks from now. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe we'll start it by giving each other our own ho- hockey awards. Oh yeah. That would well, be fun. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so thanks again for listening and have a good one. See ya. For sure. 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 For sure.